Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Melissa Boggs, who is a keynote speaker and podcast host of the Wild Hearts at Work podcast. Melissa, how are you doing? Hello, Timothy. I am well. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. And we'd like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Ooh. All right. Myself. Um, well, so my name is Melissa. For those who are listening, um, I have bright red hair and I am very short. And those are two of the things that people remember the most about me. Um, and I care about really cool workplaces. And so I'm sure we'll get more into that later. But as far as my work, um, I really am focused on helping leaders and employees make really cool places to work. For fun, I roller skate. So I am uh, a returning roller skater, like many, many adults in the pandemic. I skated a lot as a kid. And then at the beginning of 2021, my husband bought me some gorgeous skates. And now I literally skate every day because I'm part of a 365 skate challenge to skate every day in 2022. Wow. Where did you find Mm -hmm. this 365 skate challenge? Is it like online, local? Um, I think it started because it's been a few years that this has been going now. I think actually that Moxie roller skates are the ones that started it. And I'm sure it was like a branding thing, <laughs> but um, you know, people have just kept it going. And so it's, it's big on TikTok or on Instagram. Um, and it's really just a way of keeping yourself accountable and continuing to work on things when you have to do it every day, you have to like, Oh, what's the next thing I'm going to work on? Um or, you know, what music am I going to enjoy today while I work on it? So um, that is really the only thing I have time to do for fun besides, you know, I have teenage kids and work. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you post a video of you roller skating for like accountability with a hashtag or something like that? Every single day. And oh my goodness, it was when I first started. So here's a funny thing. Sorry. It'll be a small sidebar, but it, it all ties together. A lot of what I do in my work is help organizations and leaders understand how to fail quickly and learn from things and not be embarrassed by failure, right? And like understand that that's where you learn. Imagine having to post videos of yourself trying things roller skating that you have never done before. You know, I always say to people, uh, progress over perfection. The first week that I was posting videos of myself, I felt like such a hypocrite because I tell this to people all the time and I was mortified by how dorky I looked, how dumb I looked, you know, and so it's also been really, really good. I'm on day 62 today and it's been a learning experience and like I've gotten much more comfortable with myself, my skating, not being perfect. Um, And there is a really cool community. Like people I have never met in real life, 
but who are also posting on the hashtag. So we kind of see each other and we like each other's videos. And I've got friends, you know, probably four or five, not hundreds, but like all over the country that like, I will probably never meet them in person, but we are cheering each other on day 62. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I love it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really cool. And it's also just a good, it is a really good branding um, move. On yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Especially when, like I said, I'm not even, I think it was Moxie, but I think it was like 2016 or 2017 that they put out the challenge, but then people just picked up on it and they want to do it. And there's also people like there's one girl, I couldn't tell you her, her name, but I think she's on like day 600. Like she's on her second year of the challenge. And, and she was the one that really inspired me because she posted a video on her 365 day where she's just sobbing, like so proud of herself and so grateful for the experience. And I was like, well, I want that on day 365. <laughs> So honestly, on the hard days, and there are hard days, there are days that I've, that I put my skates on for five minutes and that is it. But you put your skates on every day, you do the thing, you know, and I, on those days, I'm like, okay, I want to cry like her on day 365. I want to. That is, man, you know, the more I get into life, I'm, I'm a pretty young guy. And <laughs> the more I'm like really emerging into adulthood, I'm like, consistency is key and you know you oh, read yeah. about it and you read all these success books and they're always like consistency consistency and then you start to experience it and you're like wow <laughs> it really does kind of move mountains of like you know the 365 days roller skating or like daily podcast or you know any of the daily maintenance things that we do like even um one of the things that I'm really trying to work on is showing up for myself and like to show up for yourself daily in like a really small way like whether that be walking a gratitude practice some prayer that you may do or just saying something kind to yourself every day will change your life so oh I love that you're right um yeah and it was definitely like I said more than I bargained for like I expected the get better at skating but here's another like funny byproduct when you're posting it on TikTok and you have to like come up with like what's the music I'm gonna skate to today because other people are gonna see it I've had to like dig into old music that I loved when I was a kid or new music that you know someone told me about because like you start to run out of one minute clips of songs (laughs) after a while yeah so that's been like yeah there's like these other elements that I didn't count on that have been really really cool so I'll have to check back in with you in another 302 days and see if I completed the challenge. <laughs> I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. The accountability factor is um, very, it's, it's really there. And now you've said it on the podcast too. So more accountability. There you go. I've said it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So kind of what you do day to day is helping leaders and employees making um, the workplace a really cool place to be and to work mm-hmm. and to kind of work together. You really love to roller skate. Let's hear a bit more about your motivation. What gets you up and keeps you going every day? Oh, goodness. I mean, some days it's roller skating. And like literally some days it's like, oh, this is going to be a rough day, but I know I get to go to the rink tonight, so I can make it. Um, but no, I mean, joking aside, I am really motivated 
this is going to sound cheesy and probably 25 other people have said this on your podcast, but I was lucky enough that people made a big difference in my life when I was young in my career. Um, I worked at a place for 12 years. I always joke it was my first big girl job, like my first office job that was consistently on the best places to work. And when I left that place after 12 years and went out into the work world, I was shocked that not every company existed the way that that one did. And so I am really motivated, especially in, in the wake of the pandemic to help other people have that experience. But the only way that we do that is by educating organizations and helping them understand that it benefits them to be an awesome place to work. It doesn't just benefit the employee, benefits all of us, you know, to be, and I'm not talking about like ping pong tables. I'm talking about, you know, autonomy and purpose at work. And so I'm just motivated to, to make that difference in individual lives, but also, you know, you plant a seed and then other organizations go, oh, maybe we should do that too. Um, and to just, I don't know, work doesn't have to be a drag, <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, I want to impact people in that way. Absolutely. I love that. There we go. What are some of the ways that the workplace can create space for people to A, have that autonomy and B, find that purpose in their work? Beautiful question. Um, so I have a, I don't want to call it a model because it's not, uh, I guess we'll call it a model. Um, I talk to leaders about five C's and it's kind of like in a pyramid because the ones at the bottom are the most important, but also the most accessible. You don't have to be like super um, progressive to access the, the entry level ones, but as they go higher, they get a little bit harder. Um, so people need clarity. They need clarity of their role, clarity of their work, clarity of how their role fits with their life. They need context. Um, a lot of times employees would be a lot more purposeful and a lot more understanding of leaders' decisions if they actually understood why they made those decisions. And I don't think we always do a great job of sharing that. Uh, craft. People want to be good at what they do. They want to, you know, they want to work on projects or do things that help them develop that and become better at that. Um, and we need to respect it as a craft. You know, everyone who has like something that they do in their role can be a craft. It's not just like a task that they do. This is where it gets harder. Choice. Um, the more that we can give employees choice in what they work on, the boundaries of their role, the more engaged they're going to be. Like, if I feel like I chose this, then I'm going to take ownership of it. I'm going to go for it. Right. And that's difficult sometimes. Like it's difficult to let that go, but often uh, employees actually have better ideas than we do as leaders because they're closer to the problems, right? They are talking to customers every day. And then lastly, co-creation. Um, and this is probably the most difficult one because this means giving up control as leaders. 
and co-creating with our employees what we want the workplace to look like, what their role is going to look like, giving them a voice in co-creating the place. But if we do that, then again, they have ownership. You have champions in your org because they helped build it. And that actually gives leaders the ability to think about much more strategic things and be much more focused on the future. And so for me, those are the things that create that space, that give purpose, that align employees and leaders together. Um, and then the last thing I'll add just really quickly is I think we make really big mistakes in corporate when leaders blame the employees for lack of engagement and employees blame the leaders. When in the end, it is actually about the relationship between the two of them. So if we can actually heal that relationship and not be blaming, which I see in almost every company that I go into, there's a lack of trust, um, then that's actually where the magic happens. I love that. I love that. Just curious, do you ever work with companies on the hiring side of things? I feel like your first one that you mentioned, Clarity, um, really comes in, like if you're hiring people and you don't have that clarity for them, it can make it a not so fun place to work. So just curious about that. That's beautiful. Um, I don't know that I have specifically, actually I have, yes. I have, there's one organization that I have worked with their kind of talent and recruiting team um, on just their overall process, not just like clarity of job description. Um, and actually the last time that I was like a full-time employee, I was the co-CEO of an organization and we had a very cool hiring process that literally um, we would hire people in one day and we would do that. I mean, it would mean they would have to commit to being there for the day, but we would literally play games with them and have conversations with them. And then the teams themselves would say, this is the person that we want to hire. And so you actually had all of the candidates for a role there at the same time meeting one another. And part of our motivation there was creating community. Like if you don't get this job, um, I might know someone who has, you know, as another candidate, I got the job you didn't, but actually I applied for this other role. You should go apply for that role. Like some really cool things came out of that when you take away like the villainizing your competitors <laughs> for the role. Um, and like they ended up going to lunch together and like, it was crazy. Um, there was one day that we hired seven people in one day. Wow. Um, and they turned out to be wonderful, like teammates. And because through the events that we designed, we really got to know them. You couldn't fake it, you know, cause every one of us has gone into an interview and like lied. <laughs> Not that we mean to, but like, you know, we go in and like, we try to present the best version of ourselves and we wanted, we wanted clarity and we wanted them to have clarity. And so we designed this whole experience and it was super fun. Um, we probably did about eight of those when I was at that company. And I would love to help other companies do that because it was really cool. Yeah, that sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. Um, I was, I was really wondering that because, um, I don't know if you know who Alex Hormozzi is. He's one of the guys that I've been listening to on my kind of success track. He wrote hundred million dollar offers. And one of the things he 
uh, was talking about was making an irresistible offer for people. And one of the ways you do that is like you team up with ancillary, I don't know if I use that word right, but I'm going to say it anyway, ancillary businesses that are kind of like they can serve your client that you're also serving, but serve them in different ways. So I was like, I know there are people who help people with their onboarding process. If you teamed up with like some consultants and you could offer that to a business, I, I assume it would increase your conversion rate as well as value of the offer, what you can charge, et cetera, et cetera. But that was just a thought. Yeah, no, that's a cool idea. Um, yeah, I, I think part of it is like people don't know it's hard to think outside the box. And it's part of the reason that I have my podcast is that my podcast is about like opening the door for people to understand using this, for example, you don't have to interview, you know, 10 people, six interviews a piece over, you know, 10 weeks. And like, by the last person, you're like, Oh my God, if I have to ask one more person, what their weaknesses are, yeah, (laughs) you know, like there's a different way, but all we know is what we know. And so, um, yeah, there is a different way for many things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Let's jump into your dreams and goals now. Tell us about your vision for your podcast, your business, and your life. Hey, all right. Okay. I have this. I have this because I put a lot of thought into this when I started my business. So my dream is, I'm not going to put a time frame on it. But in my dream, I literally have a beach house in San Diego. It doesn't have to be a huge house, like big enough to house my family, but like literally a beach house. And I am writing in this dream, maybe like my third book by that time. And I am able to do that because writing a book is hard. You know, like you have to have time to write. Um, And so in doing that. I am also a full-time keynote speaker, but the lovely thing about keynote speaking is it's not a 40, you know, some days, some weeks I might give a lot of talks and then maybe I have two weeks off that I can write the book or the five books that I have rattling in my brain. Um, and I'm making a difference, you know, I'm seeing the difference, um, seeing companies do crazy things like hiring events um, in this stream, um, for the podcast. I mean, that goes right along with it. Like I'm in season two of the podcast. Um, I've been fortunate to have some really cool guests. And so for the podcast, I honestly just hope it continues. Like the podcast is not something I make money from. That was never the intent. Um, it's quite a niche podcast. You know, not everybody is like, Ooh, tell us what crazy things people can do in corporate. Um, so, you know, just continuing to fulfill the mission of the podcast is my dream because I've met so many cool people. I make this really, this joke almost every time I have a guest on that, like, I didn't expect to have like a best friend every time someone came on my podcast. But, but when your podcast is values driven, like mine is, mine is very much about like the heart of work then every person I have on feels the same way. And I'm like, you're my new best friend. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I really just want that to continue. And then for my life, um, as I said, I have a 12 year old and a 15 year old. So I have a seventh grader and a sophomore. And, you know, I just, one of the things I love about my life right now and the work that I do is I'm flexible enough that I can 
be on field trips and show up for my kids. And in a way that if I was working a typical nine to five, I might not be able to as much until I change the world. And then that's different too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think we'll, the move to San Diego will be after they have gone off to whatever their post high school dreams are, whether that's college or trade school or whatever it might be. But obviously I want them to be happy and healthy and close enough to visit. I'm not going to be one of those moms that lives in their backyard. So hopefully they'll be nearby, but doing their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. There we go. So we got the beach house in San Diego, writing your third, fifth, maybe 10th book by that, by that time, (laughs) Uh, full-time keynote speaker. Just hoping the podcast continues indefinitely. We'll see. Um, as long as it's serving, as long as it's serving the mission, as long as it's serving me and my life. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then just continue to be flexible enough to show up for your kids. Yeah. I love it. And my husband, I should probably mention my husband and my husband. (laughs) Um, that's actually a fun, I'll add that to the dream actually. So my husband was a high school English teacher for 18 years and through a series of events, um, not negative, but just finally decided that he was done teaching right before the pandemic hit. And since then, my husband, who has a very deep Texan voice, is pursuing voice acting. And this has been such a cool thing to watch him embark on because there's like, there is some overlap between being like a keynote speaker, which I'm pursuing, and the voice acting part. You know, it's a lot about like selling yourself and selling your message and all that. And so I'll add that, that like that weaves into the dream because if he's successful in that, then he continues to be flexible. And then we have this very self-designed life that we both want. So add that to the dream. Hold on. (laughs) Um, I know this might sound crazy, but if your husband's not doing this, I am a big fan of Gary V. And you know, Gary V's like, content content <laughs> um, but yeah. um if you if he did like funny tiktoks where he was doing like famous voices or whatever like uh, i don't know like if he could do like spongebob or something like that and just posted three to four of those a day i'm sure it would help him in his successful becoming a successful voice actor that is an excellent idea i have i am much more on tiktok than he is because of the challenge but um yeah no that's a great idea I'm gonna have to tell I, I mean that. I'm sure he practices right like oh yeah just record himself practicing and just pay a virtual assistant or some employee that you guys hire to like cut it up and post it yeah that's super smart I do love Gary V have to say yeah yeah Gary V's awesome <laughs> <laughs> cool well if there were one or two people that you could meet right now this could be a specific person or a type of person and they would really help you take that next step towards being that full-time keynote speaker and writing that book. Who would they be and how would they do it? Ooh, so my lifestyle and values-driven hero is Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like a lot of the content that she shares as well as just how she approaches her mission in terms of she's a speaker, she writes books. 
Um, and she also does, you know, I'm a coach by trade. And so she also coaches organizations, all of those things. I'm like, I'm like 10 steps behind her or 20, but you know, still like going down the same path. So I would give so much to meet Brene Brown and talk with her. Um, I mean, I think just having conversations with her would be one step, you know, one way in which you could help just learning from her journey. Um, and then of course, I'm sure she knows a billion people that would, you know, be great connections to have, but I would just be content to like have lunch with her and Simon Sinek too, for the same reason. There we go. Awesome. What is the most important one or two things that everyday people can do to really help you accomplish your dreams, whether that be the book or the beach house or the full-time keynote speaking? This is a tough question because it feels hard to ask strangers to help. Um, but I, I get the gist of the question. I think the main thing that they could do is go to my website and see what I offer and ask themselves like, ooh, would my boss be interested in this? Or maybe you are the boss. Am I interested in this? Um, whether it be, I have two main keynote talks that I give. Uh, one is about employee engagement in the post-pandemic world, and it contains the five C's that I was talking about earlier. The other one is about agile. I am an agile coach by background and um, agile being like agile software development. And so if either of those things resonate with you as a, as a listener, check out the website. Um, I do talks at conferences, um, but I also, like I said, just work with organizations, whether it's one-on-one -on -one leadership coaching, just with the leader, or I do like big fun workshops with, you know, entire teams or entire companies to help close that gap that I was talking about earlier, like closing that trust gap. Um, so I remember one thing they could do is just go see if it's something that would be helpful. There we go. There we go. Oh, sorry. My computer just freaked out. <laughs> uh, the like update popped up and I didn't want to get cut off in the middle of the podcast. That would have sucked. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, so if you guys are listening, go to her website, see what she offers. If you know anybody interested, make sure to make that connection. Now we're going to jump into our thriving three. First question is, what's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. So my favorite book is uh, a book by Cirque du Soleil, which sounds crazy, but um, they put out a book called Spark um, years ago. This book is probably like 20 years old at this point. Um, and it's an allegory, but it's, it's basically about workplaces and teams. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's actually sort of out of print, but you can get it on Amazon, like through resellers. And I have done this book as a book club with probably four different organizations now. And every time I read it, I find something different. Um, so it's cool. Yeah, um, like so yeah. With a, just with a K. Spark with a K. I think the actual full title is Spark Igniting the Creative Fire That Lives Within Us All. Oh my gosh. I feel like I've heard of that book. It's really cool. It's, it's because you learn not only about the, like the topics that they're talking about, but it's a behind the scenes of Cirque du Soleil. Like it's fiction, but it's like based on real things at Cirque. 
And so that's why I love it because it's, um, I don't know, you get like two different types of learning, kind of the topics. And I'm a nerd about behind the scenes, anything. Like my, like I love biographies. My favorite kind of books are biographies. My husband says that if there was like a biography about our waste management person that picked up our trash every day, that I would read it. And I absolutely would, because I guarantee you that that person like has so many cool things to his job that we don't even know about or something going on in his life that we could learn from. So I'm such a nerd for things like that. So that's awesome. I love it. What, what is one way you like to take care of yourself? Roller skating. There we go. I already talked about that one. Yep. 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 And what is one action step that you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to either meet Brene Brown or meet Simon Sinek? Oh, hmm. One action step I can take. I think it's just continuing to pursue. If I've learned anything in my career, it's like, you know how people always talk about, it's all about who you know. (laughs) It is. It's a lot about who you know. I have learned this, but it's about meeting those people while doing the thing that you love and the thing that you're good at. And so I feel like if I continue down the path that I'm on, um, I have booked, you know, a a number of of keynotes this year. If I keep doing that, then maybe in some, at some point, because my topics are close to their topics that will just naturally cross paths. I actually got to meet Daniel Pink right before the pandemic. So two years ago now, Daniel Pink is a similar, you know, author, writer topic. Um, And so I feel like if I got to meet Dan Pink, that like at some point I'll get to meet Brene and Simon too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love that. That's one thing Uh, I'm big into real estate and I was going to all these real estate networking events to, you know, build the network. You need a lot of private investors you need some co-GP partners, stuff like that. And I realized I did not have any like skills to offer because I wasn't really being authentic, like mm-hmm. to who I was. And because I wasn't being authentic, I was trying to do this and that and this and that and what other people told me to do. It was like, I just kind of need to go to the lab and figure out me first. And when I figure out me, I'll like naturally like just bump into these people because you know, as we become our best selves, I mean, we just, it's natural to like bump into other people who are being their best selves, you know? So, um, yeah, I love that. Exactly. Exactly. Cause I think anything else would be like, I would rather bump into them as someone doing the work than a fan. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, I think you even have a, if you run into Brene Brown doing the work, you have a different conversation than running into her too early, like right now and being like, Oh, I just love you so much. You know, I mean, that would be nice. I wouldn't turn down meeting her, but you know, I think I would rather meet her on the right terms. So. Absolutely. But Brene, if you're listening, I'm down, like, let's have lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to crack up when in six months, I hear that you got a call from her. (laughs) (laughs) That would be awesome. Um, 
don't know if cracking, I might be crying, like happy <laughs> tears, but yes. <laughs> there we go. Well, we have one last question for you and it's gonna require a bit of pretext. So you know how there are people on the planet that really have that fixed mindset? They're not willing to accept help. They're not willing to accept change. Sometimes they'll live their whole life like that. Sometimes they'll die like that, unfortunately. Other times they'll make that switch in life to more of that growth mindset, willing to accept help and willing to accept change. In your opinion, what is the catalyst that causes that change? Ooh, I'm like nodding along because I talk about fixed mindset and growth mindset all the time with organizations, with leaders. Um, but what catalyzes the change? Um, sometimes it's a tragedy, whether that's personal or work. Um, you know, sometimes it takes like getting laid off from a job for you to kind of wake up and go, I can't keep existing like this anymore. <laughs> you know, and in those cases, I wouldn't even say a tragedy. I would just say like a big event that sort of like clicks. Maybe it's not like tragic, but other times though, I think it's exposure to other people. Um, and by that, I mean, sometimes it is drip by drip. And it's seeing other people have a growth mindset and change their lives as a result, or, you know, other people talking with you and, and kind of maybe when they first share with you, like, Hey, you don't seem to be very receptive to feedback. Maybe the first person that says that you're like, Meh. but by the time the fifth or sixth person says that, you know, over time, it's like, okay, well, these people I care about are saying this with love. Maybe I need to pay attention to it. Um, and I think it can go either way. It can be big bang. Oh my gosh, I got to change everything. Or slowly with compassion and empathy, you know, you start to hear the things that are necessary to make the change. Yeah. That's a good one though. That's a good podcast question, Jimmy. <laughs> I'm not sure I had really like actively thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, I I love the question, uh, mainly because I have a big dreams of alleviating poverty around the world. And I would tell people about these dreams. And the first thing they would say, not really the first thing, but the only thing they would say that I didn't have an answer to would be, um, well, you're just going to run to some people who don't want to receive your help. I was like, that's true. Like some people are just stuck in their ways and aren't willing to accept help because they're scared of hope. They're scared of something better. They think you're trying to manipulate them, whatever it may be. And it's like, it's really hard to help people who don't want to be helped. So really I asked what the catalyst is because pretty soon here on the podcast, the follow-up question is going to be, um, how can we like create an environment that facilitates that catalyst in a safe way? Because a lot of people say it's rock bottom. But I'm also like, we don't want to wait for people's families to die, to change their lives, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's a great question. Cause like, again, I, I think you and I approach a similar roadblock, but for different reasons. Right. But I run into that in organizations all the time. Like, you know, people who, one of the things I work on, like with the whole choice and co-creation is, you know, helping decisions be pushed kind of lower down in the hierarchy, if you will. As someone who had the opportunity to make pretty big decisions when I was young in my career, I assumed that everyone would want that. 
that is not always true, <laughs> right? There are people that are like, I don't want to make, you know, I don't want to make those decisions. I don't want that type of um, risk. And I think that's probably a similar thing that you would run into is well, I don't want help because help feels like a risk. Yep. And, and yeah, I think we don't want people to hit rock bottom. So how do we, um, you know, offer that sort of comp- continued compassion and empathy and maybe after a few times it starts to, you know, seep through. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing. Um, most of the time the answer is rock bottom. A couple times you've got that continued consistent, you know, empathy and presence with people and, you know, I've been back and forth in my head whether I'm actually going to write this. I said it earlier on an earlier podcast that I was going to write this book by May 4th. May 4th is coming up, though. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I'm saying it again now. So I guess I'm kind of recommitting outwardly and inwardly. But it's, the premise behind it is the 18-year commitment. I think that's, that's like the running kind of title for the book. And the idea behind it is... Um, in the fight to like alleviate poverty, we don't need to go real big, like individually, but we do need to pick a person and like commit Mm -hmm. to them. Because I think, you know, um, I see kids who, you know, kids are really impressionable. Like you can really say stuff or do stuff that will really change their life. And they do that because of like the consistency, like in their life and the commitment and they're like also committed to you. And I'm like, if you can create that strong of a relationship, obviously it's not going to be as strong as like father, daughter, mother, daughter. But it's like, if you can commit to a person like that and show up in their life every day, again, there's that consistency for like 10 years straight. Maybe it takes 10 years, but on that, uh, like the beginning of that 11th year, you know, it's like they finally hit it. And I think that's like, what's needed across the board, but it's also so hard to do that for somebody that's like not in your inner, inner circle, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot. Sort of an each one reach one kind of philosophy toward that. Yeah, I love that. Um, Another thing to consider, I talk a lot about how when, when people are behaving in such a way that maybe we don't understand, whether it's, you know, sort of blocking you off and being like, no, 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 I don't need your help or, um, or even just acting out, you know, like outwardly, like attacking other people. I mean, more often than not, I'm not a therapist, but I'm old enough now with experience. Um, it's pain or fear, yep. you know? And so how do we, that's where the empathy part comes in. It's like, Maybe it doesn't take 10 years if we look past, you know, what the outside piece is and go like, okay, what, first you kind of have to ask yourself because they probably aren't going to tell you what they're afraid of, but what might they be afraid of? And like, what can I do to help them understand that, you know, that fear isn't valid in my case? Like, I'm not here to manipulate you or control you. I mean, When I think about poverty, I think about like, there are plenty of people who offer help with strings attached. Yeah. And that's why people become afraid of manipulation and you cannot blame them. Yeah. And so like, how do you, 
you know, show them like, no, absolutely. Like I care about you as a human and that's why I want to help. And, you know, I'm not going to, I won't say there's just many things that people might force you to do um, in exchange. And that's not fair, you know, especially a vulnerable population, you know, that needs it more than anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. um, Write the book, man. I'll read it. And then I will join your movement. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, I recommended, so I need to put it in the schedule and get on it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Melissa, is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? You are lovely. This is such a fun podcast. So I just know I appreciate the opportunity to chat about things I love, like roller skating and also workplaces. So, um, no, I'm, I'm, thank you. Yeah, of course. Thanks for coming on. All right. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Melissa had to say, you loved what she does, go follow her TikTok and see her roller skating videos. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Every day. We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, I don't know if she sent it to me, but if she did not find it and put it in the show notes. Oh, no. Also, make sure you go to her website, see what she offers. What are you going to say? I just have to say, this is funny. I started out the podcast by saying people remember me as being a redhead and being short. My TikTok handle that I was not planning to share on this podcast, but it is funny, is Ginger Pixie Mom. Ginger Pixie Mom. Because I am redheaded and small and I'm a mom and I want to embarrass my kids with my (laughs) TikTok handle. Anyway, but yes, please check my website, uh, not necessarily the TikTok. (laughs) Yes, there we go. Make sure to go to her website, see what she offers, share it with anybody, you know, maybe your boss, maybe a friend that's a fellow entrepreneur or something like that, that may be interested. And as we always ask, send this podcast to one to three people you know need to hear this message. Shoot us a five-star review on iTunes and we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.